0: Behind
1: the Herald headlines with Darren Mann.
0: Behind the Herald headlines today, taking a story which is attracting a lot of attention online, and that is the Bay's private hospitals making patients wait for what they believe is an inordinately long time before they're seen by medical professionals. The story was covered by Herald reporter Zamandulo Malonde. Zama joins us on the show today. Thanks for your time. How are you?
2: I'm good, thanks, Darren.
0: How are you? We're doing very well. It's an interesting story, and uh, it's certainly one which impacts in just about every household that needs medical help in the city. It
2: must definitely
0: does. So basically the problems are, and you've outlined a few specific cases in your story, basically the story is that folk are going along to casualty departments. Two are mentioned, the NetCare Greenacres and the Life St. George's, where they feel they're having to wait way too long. Some patients even... And recount stories of having to wait up to six or seven hours before they're seen. Now, I will accept they possibly aren't really, really urgent cases, and there are some bigger emergencies ahead of them. But that's a very long time to wait. And as they point out, they pay exorbitant fees to medical aids, and they're not getting the service that they're happy with. Would that outline it? Yes, it basically
2: does sum it up, Darren. And um, I think that um, there is an understanding from the patients that I spoke to; they do have an understanding of the system that um, uh, Nelson Mandela Bay emergency units and hospitals use. But uh, they still are um, expressing that they are unhappy with the way that the system is working. Because if you if you look in the story, you'll see that um, some of the hospital spoke people have outlined how they what what system they follow and how they go about identifying which um, case is more urgent than the other. But um, patients do do still feel that the fact that I'm going to an emergency unit at 1am means that I need to be seen by a doctor, and so I shouldn't have to wait this long to be seen by a doctor.
0: Staff shortages, one of the reasons that have been put forward, yes?
2: Yes, it is. And um, there is um, an issue with staff shortages, especially since um, the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we do uh, note that there has been um, quite a, a number of doctors that have left the emergency unit because, you know, um, of the pressure that, they, that was exerted on them by the pandemic. So since then, there is, has been quite lower numbers and, and lower um medical workers wanting to get into the emergency
0: unit. So for want of a better phrase, we're talking about burnout, dealing with too many patients for too long because we have staff shortages. Yes,
2: yes. That, is, that is the gist of it.
0: Have they given you an idea as to when the staff shortage problem will be solved? Will it be solved? And, and if so, how would they go about it?
2: here during as, as, as I said, and I think when I spoke to um, the, the ER Consulting Incorporated Managing Director, James mentioned that they are constantly recruiting and calling for medical uh, workers to come uh, and join the emergency department. But obviously, you know, they they are the ones that were on the front line of the pandemic and they know exactly um, the kind of pressure that they're under. So I think you can't um, sort of force them into what they already know that they, they weren't coping well under um, during the pandemic. So I think, I guess, it is up to those um, who who are both still in medical school and those who are already on the field to decide if they do want to get back into that kind
0: of work. So you've spoken to both sides, really. You've spoken to the hospitals and the casualty departments, and you've also spoken to the patients. As far as the patients go, can you pick out maybe one or two stories that stuck with you?
2: Yes. There is a lady who who went to um, the emergency room in Clean With her child who had a temperature of about 39 degrees, which was concerning, the child was vomiting and uh, had diarrhea. She also had to wait up to. She arrived. She said she arrived around 10 a.m. on a Saturday, um, when she waited until around 1 p.m. when she was um, seen. But even when she was uh, placed in in the consultation room, she had to wait another hour before a doctor could come and actually check out the child. And she says while while they were waiting in the room, the child actually had to move his pants because it was just uncontrollable and the waiting was also not helping either so they saw a doctor an hour after waiting in and they had to um they had to wait for two drips to be administered all in all she she met at 5 p.m so she basically spent the whole saturday there with the child sick but she was told that because in the the church system that they follow your, your case when you when you come in and you you are registered, your case is categorized. They categorize um, according to the urgency, the degree of urgency. So, it's green, which is minor; yellow, which is mid; orange, which is severe, and red, which is very severe or uh, urgent. So, the child was placed under orange, which is severe but not very urgent, as red was urgent. So Even a- that, it means that. She had to wait that long while she was placed as a severe, a severe case. That means those who were this severe had to wait maybe even double the time. It's been the a second, a second highest important or urgent case had to wait that long. So she says she understands. So she does understand the system. She's familiar with it. She has been a patient um, in a private uh, medical uh in a private medical facility? Oh yes, thank you. In a private medical facility in the emergency room. She understands how it works, but she still was unhappy because her child was pretty sick. So it means that maybe there's something that needs to be adjusted. On the system that
0: they call I think that's where we'll leave it for now. It, it is a developing story which we will follow, and you can read about it online or in the Herald's daily paper. Zama Malonde, thank you for joining us on Behind the Herald headlines today.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Darren.
0: Behind the Herald headlines today, taking a look at a story which is making waves online. A number of patients in the Nelson Mandela Bay area complaining about inordinately long waiting periods and waiting times at NetCare Greenacres and Life St. George's Hospitals, respectively. We're speaking today with ER Consulting's Managing Director, Dr. Stephen Holt. ER Consulting are the company who are responsible for handling casualty departments at both Life St. George's and also at NetCare Greenacres, in addition to mercantile and Kyla clinic in Uteneg. Dr. Holt, good morning. It's a tricky situation.
1: What do you make of these complaints about long waiting periods? Good morning, Darren. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to chat to you. Uh, There's no doubt that there's, there has been an increase in waiting times in some of our facilities. Um, But this is a national issue rather than just uh, Port Elizabeth. So there, there are a number of reasons that this has happened. And, uh, Yeah, we've got a a number of solutions that we're trying to to bring to the fore in a very sort of difficult set of circumstances that are evolving in in South African emergency medicine. Now, the complaints come from dozens of Nelson Mandela Bay residents,
0: and basically... It comes in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, which we thought was largely behind us, but possibly not. And as a result of that, we've seen a number of hospitals throughout the country, as you said, not only in Nelson Mandela Bay, experiencing problems. Over and above the fact that the COVID pandemic has happened, what are the other factors that
1: are at play? I think firstly, coming out of the COVID pandemic and with the return to relative normality, we've seen a rapid upsurge in patient volumes attending emergency departments and i think that it's it's a multifactorial problem that is being faced nationally um but that is exacerbated in in our smaller towns and and more peripheral cities in south africa so if i can try and give you a a sort of overall view of this um in, in the COVID pandemic, emergency medicine units dropped their patient volumes by sort of 70% across the board. And there was a, obviously a strong focus of just COVID-19 patients coming in and, and sort of severe emergencies. And as a result of that, um, a lot of emergency rooms had to downscale their Their coverage by both doctors and nurses, because at times there were virtually no patients coming into these facilities. And then when the waves happened, there would be a sudden surge for a period of three weeks or four weeks, and then the volumes would disappear again. And that was largely because of lockdowns. Uh, People weren't at uh, work, not at school, no sport, no driving, no drinking. Um, None of the sort of factors that, that drive patients to use emergency facilities. So coming out of the pandemic, there's a, a process of of sort of retooling the, the industry that has to take place. And this is taking a significant period of time to get not only the number of doctors but the number of nurses, the 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 systems kind of back online that uh, that COVID has created. And while I can't blame COVID for everything, we saw probably 40 to 50% of our senior doctor staff leave the profession. Um, and that's leave the emergency medicine profession. They may have continued in, in other areas. But because of the nature of the COVID pandemic, Um, There was a lot of burnout amongst doctors and nurses. Um, Obviously, I focus on the doctors because that's our area of of the service delivery. But a lot of doctors left the profession of emergency medicine purely because of the emotional fatigue um, and and the the sort of long working hours, the unknown, the large amount of, of deaths that happened, it, it, there was many reasons why a lot of senior doctors just decided that there was a, a, a better alternative to, to working during the COVID pandemic. Dr. Holt, if I might ask you, just
0: how many doctors do we have available? Uh, medical practitioners, let me rather say. Because one would imagine that you could deploy more of those to the areas where you're starting to get more and more patients arriving.
1: Well, the, firstly, the problem is they're arriving everywhere. So I think what's happened is that as the, the lockdowns have gone away and there's been a return to normality with people going back to work and school, so we've seen this massive upswing in patient volumes. And then we have to go through a process of rehiring um new doctors that are now available in the system. And there simply aren't that many available um, in in the system in South Africa that want to work in the emergency space. And that is a, a, a sort of international trend. And if I, I can compare it to something like the airline industry, exactly the same has happened. You know, in, um, in July now, uh, sorry, in June, the end of June, Lufthansa is cancelling thousands of flights because they simply cannot get the pilots back from uh um from the sort of post-covid environment and it takes time to reaccumulate the volume of doctors as well as the volume um of experienced doctors back into the system so that is definitely a major factor here but there are a number of other factors as well that are contributing to this and i think one of those factors is that certainly in the PE example, um there's very few after hours facilities outside of the emergency departments. So there's no general practice facilities that are currently open after hours. That's one thing. Um as many um doctors, GPs uh in the in the town um have also a lot of doctors have have Emigrated. A lot of doctors have moved to the bigger cities to try and um, to pick back up uh, patient bases because they lost all of that during the COVID pandemic. So there's been a sort of massive uh, staffing shift within the industry of medicine that I think is contributing significantly to this. I think many patients would want to know, doctor,
0: how long will it take you to deal with these challenges? When will they be able to have confidence that if they go to a casualty department, they won't have to, as was the case in one of the instances I was alerted to, someone waiting up to six, seven hours before they were seen?
1: Yeah, so remember, emergency departments are staffed by by doctors, nurses, clinical associates, um, which is um, a, a, an additional sort of um, doctor assistant type of, of um, professional. Um, so the idea is we are trying to employ doctors as quickly as we possibly can, but you can't just employ any doctor to work in an emergency unit. You've got to have doctors that ideally have experience or at least have additional training to work in that environment. And getting uh that kind of volume of doctors back into PE takes a takes a bit of time. Um we are certainly um recruiting as as fast as we possibly can. Uh to give you a definite timeframe, it's it's very difficult, but we will we'll certainly have more doctors starting with us again now in, in July. Um, but I, th- I think it's it. we need to take the focus just off the doctors for a moment, if I may. Um, emergency units are designed first and foremost to see emergency cases. And what we found is coming out of the COVID pandemic, there's been a significant upswing in the number of of relatively minor cases that are attending emergency units. And this tends to be clustered around certain times, either early in the mornings or early evening. And this results in the sort of clogging of the system, especially if you happen to get a very sick patient or two arriving at the same time. There's a limited number of beds in these facilities, sort of between 10 and 14 beds um, that is available. And as a result of that, if you've got sick patients that are in beds that you cannot move into the hospital because there's beds not available or you are waiting for x-rays or CT scans or blood tests with these sick patients, you run out of space to see patients within the emergency facility. And that ends or results in particularly the minor cases having to wait long periods of time. I think you'll find that it's the true exception though, that they're waiting anywhere near six hours. And I think we'll find that certainly by our statistics, most patients, the minor cases are waiting between one and possibly two hours, um, particularly at busy times, but that's not all the time we're seeing a, a clustered sort of block that happens early hour, early morning sort of the 7am to 10am and then again from sort of four thirty-five 5 in the evening through till about 9 or 10 those are the those are the busy times are those busy times extended
0: across all the hospitals that ER consulting is assisting with casualty
1: absolutely so there's a, a there's some very um clear or very pretty graphs that I could demonstrate that the busy times are definitely clustered around early mornings and early evenings. Um, And for that reason, what we as a group are doing is we're going to be opening an after hours general practice facility um, through one of our affiliate practices to, to cater for the minor cases that are coming through and, and clogging up the system. And, and, and obviously we will always help everyone, As best we can, but I think it's more appropriate for the minor cases to be seen outside of the emergency facility, and it costs less as well. So, you know, patients are paying a premium in in emergency units because of the additional facilities and the additional, you know, training that doctors go through, the additional costs of running a 24-hour facility, all of those things factor into the cost that the patient is paying in an emergency unit. On the subject
0: of cost, doctor, much of the frustration is uh, expressed by folk who f- forked out exorbitant amounts of money on medical aids so that they would have efficient and reliable private health care. But when they need it, it seems as if it's not necessarily proving to be a big advantage or assisting
1: them. Yeah. So, uh, Look, I, I empathise with that. We all spend a huge amount of money on medical aids. and And that is to to ensure that we have services available from from the private healthcare sector. Now, firstly, just to clarify, our our rates are medical aid rates. We don't charge over and above medical aid rates. Um, the difficulty that most people don't understand is that every medical aid charges at a slightly different rate, either more or less. Some include some procedures, some others don't. Um so we charge at a at a medical aid rate that's linked to the um discovery medical aid rate, and that is what we charge all our patients. Um so there, there shouldn't be uh uh there there's certainly no over servicing from a from a financial perspective. Um I think um The the, and the same applies to the hospitals, you know, they these are these are medical aid rated practices, they're not charging exorbitant private fees. But because um medical aids pay different fees for emergency units and different fees for general practice visits, there's probably about a a 30% difference between BP fees being lower and emergency fees and then remember when you attend an emergency unit you also have the hospital fees the specialist fees the lab fees the x-ray fees all of that and that's why these emergency fees end up being quite a lot higher than they would in a general practice environment
0: yeah i think we're going to leave it there doctor we really appreciate you joining us today In closing, maybe just a few words of encouragement to folks or a few positive words that they won't be experiencing these long waiting times that we've outlined and that also there will be enough medical practitioners, doctors and so on
1: on site really soon. Is that likely? It is likely. We are working flat out to recruit more doctors into the system. That's one part. We're going to be opening up this um, urgent general practice for after hours care to be able to try and take out some of the burden on the emergency units through the general practice system. And we hope to have this, well, 1 July is the start of the emergency general practice, and we will hopefully have um, better waiting times for everyone in that region very, very soon. Thank you very much,
0: Dr. Stephen Holt. He's the Managing Director of ER Consulting. Have a good day. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. ER Consulting, they manage the emergency facilities at all net care and life hospitals and clinics in our city. That was today's edition
2: of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.